Welcome back, everyone, to another week of the Three Things Podcast. Very excited to have our resident DJ in the house today, John Moljo, owner of Team Moljo Strength Conditioning down in Shrub Oak, New York. Just moved locations recently, so don't give me a little grief on that hesitation there. Just move locations. Shrub Oak, New York. John Moljo, he's in the house for round, I think it's probably number five, if not number six. Like I said, he's the resident DJ. John and I always have awesome conversations, and part of the reason I do this podcast is so... Uh, conversations I have with buddies like John can be shared to everyone. So super excited for John to be on for round six. Enjoy the intro music. I am trying to upstage John and his DJ skills. We talk about it on this podcast. Without further ado, here's John. Welcome back to another episode of the Three Things Podcast. I am whispering because my daughter's going to bed and I'm trying not to be that guy that talks loud enough to wake her up, even though I'm in the garage. It's a long story because you can't see the video, but I'm joined by reoccurring guest, the most reoccurring guest, John Moljo, my guy, my dude, my number one, my ride or die, my bae, my boo, my bugaboo. John Moljo is here on the other side of the screen. John Moljo, what's going on? Hey, Casey, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) I've been in quarantine for a full week. Um, This is the only like face-to-face interaction I get with anyone. And when it's your face, it's going to get a little weird. I'm not even drinking for this podcast. So this is the first pod I have not had a beer in front of me. Um, Actually, shout out to Athletic Brewing in Connecticut. I'm drinking a non-alcoholic IPA right now. So I'm super cool. Non-alcoholic IPA. Yeah. They're pretty good, man. Who are you and where is Casey Lee? I know. I know. I'm saving the beers for, I, I think it's, I think I'm due for a long night. I got a teething kid. I think I'm due for a long night. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the near beer tonight. Um, but for those that haven't listened to one of John's like four or five previous podcasts, you definitely should. Um, they always get a ton of listens. Um, I think you're right in the top five with like two podcasts that you've been on as far as like most downloads. Um, I think your first one that we did, the, it was titled the one that every personal trainer should hear, I think is like a top three downloaded podcast. Um, it might be number two, but I definitely know it's in the top three. Um, so tonight will probably be no different. We're going to just drop some straight fire. Um, John, for those that may not know who you are, you want to give a little background as to who you are, what you do, where you do it and why? Of course, of course. So again, Katie, thanks for having me. My name is John Muljo. I'm the owner at T Muljo Strength and Conditioning. We are an appointment-based training facility located in Shrub Oak, New York. This is uh, Westchester County. I have been in the fitness industry for 12 years. Um, I was originally certified in 2009 through AFA. I'm now an NSCA certified coach, NASM. Um, NASM and AFA are kind of like um, the same, the same right now. So uh, <clears throat> certified through them. And I am in my last course of my master's program at SUNY Plattsburgh uh, with the subject of fitness, wellness, and leadership. Are you, so are you graduating the spring? Yes. Are you, if there is a commencement, are you going to go? I've been asked 
multiple times and press shoot, but I do not think I'm going to go. I don't think there's. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a commencement. <laughs> UVM just canceled theirs this week, so I can't see Plattsburgh having theirs. But maybe you guys will just do like a 1,000 person Zoom commencement. Yeah, cool. I'm that'd down. be that'd be dope. Um, get that piece of paper in the mail, dude. That's sick. You're your last class. Wow, you're yeah, so man. smart. So smart. Um, but for real though, John and I met at SUNY Plattsburgh. John gave a speech at my wedding. Um, if, uh, if, if my daughter had a godfather, probably this man. Um, so it's always a pleasure to have John on the other side of the screen and do this podcast. I don't know why we haven't just started our own podcast yet. Um, uh, but you guys actually wait, pause, hold on. Team Moljo started a podcast. We did. It's called the scoop and so last year we did every month we would put out like a newsletter and then the newsletter kind of got, you know, a little bit like redundant. So I was like, Oh, well, like let's do like a views letter. And we did a views letter all last year. And now this year we've launched a podcast called the scoop. Um, and I haven't been on it, which is really <laughs> fucked up because I've had um, you and Nicole so, on. But it's not, it's not, it's not like a podcast where we bring in, um, bring in like external speakers. It's literally the staff in a meeting chatting about what's been going on at the gym, you know, highlighting members, speaking about the members of the month, talking about programming. And we choose like a particular topic that we speak to and everyone kind of gives their two cents in regard to that topic. You know, we spoke about like nutrition and meal prep. Um, so it's not something that... <clears throat> you know, we post for like the mass public. It's primary focus is to kind of like reach out to our members and give like some monthly feedback to the members. Um, but it definitely has some potential and it might be something that we, uh, you know, boost to the public and, you know, don't worry when we do have a guest on the podcast, you will be up there as if I'm not number one. I think that I birthed your podcast. Like if the three things podcast had pod sex and gave birth, <laughs> it gave birth to the scoop. So I'm taking, I want, I want like, I want royalties. I want who, did royalties. Have, who did it have, who did it have pod sex with? It's, it's um like it's asexual. It doesn't need it. It just kind of like, it just, yeah, it's just kind of like splits in half and the, and the scoop was born. Yeah. No, no, I thought about it. Yeah. No, I thought about it. That's, that's science. That's science right there. Um, before we get off on too big of a tangent, cause um, that's probably what happened with the podcast. Um, the three things pod is the three questions that I'm going to ask John. John has no idea. No guest ever has any idea of the questions that I'm going to ask. We do this so that we can have a candid conversation and John and I can just kind of shoot the shit, so to speak. And so what these topics might be and really just pick John's insights uh, on these topics. So Mr. Moljo, are you ready for the first one? Let's do it. So I think we've talked in every previous podcast about like, if you want to, if you're looking to open a gym, if you're a new business owner, if you're a new personal trainer, but what I don't think I've ever asked you, and I think it's kind of been overlooked and it's kind of where I am selfishly now in our business, what actions would you recommend or what actions should a mature business take? And that can be like mature business, like you're a personal trainer, you have a, a pretty full client roster you've been in the game for eight to 15 years, you're considered like a mature business entity, whether it's a brick and mortar business like yours or your commercial gym trainer and you're just killing it. Like what, what are the next steps to maintaining that as your business enters the mature phase? Um, 
Tell me that's a good question. Tell me that's it, a good question. It, it is a really good question, and I don't necessarily want to bore you with the answer because I don't necessarily think the answer is much different than, um, than it would be at any other stage of business, which is, you know, one growth, right? So you always need to be generating ideas and implementing good ideas that are going to facilitate growth for your business. But simultaneously, you need to be doing things that are going to protect your business and retain the business that you have. So for a fitness business, um, particularly, right? So um, a mature business, right? One of the biggest priorities would be making sure you maintain the level of being a mature, successful business. And in fitness, the number one priority to do that is retention, right? Making sure that you have... um, clients continuing through your program, continuing your business. And, um, you know, on secondary to that is like, how do you get these clients to grow with your business from a um, culture standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint, right? How do you get clients to climb up the financial ladder of your business? So what additional programs and services are you going to offer so that your already committed clients um, are going to be willing to spend a couple extra bucks a month to make sure that your business um, is growing. And then, you know, you're always looking outside of your network of people to, you know, recruit a new network of people that's going to be a bigger influx of business. So, um, you know, as, as we speak in this, you know, craziness of like the coronavirus world right now, Um, We literally had to pivot our business in 24 hours to a virtual online business, right? Something that I've kind of been against, not necessarily because it's bad, but just because I've, I've grown up and lived my professional career through the brick and mortar and I love the brick and mortar and it's been successful. So I didn't want to kind of sheer away from that, but, you know, stepping into the virtual world for the past week. Right. I'm, I'm slowly starting to think about like, gee, when things do go back to normal, like how can we capitalize on maintaining some type of virtual presence? Because it has been um, going pretty well. Yes, it's it's only been a week, but a lot of people do it. A lot of people make a lot of money doing it. So this might be um, the next thing for Team Mojo. Right. So, yes, in the um, craziness of the world right now with the pandemic and the coronavirus and gyms having to be closed. Um, we're fortunate enough to have committed staff members and committed clients to, you know, ride this temporary virtual wave with us, but, um, it's the silver lining right now. It's like, wow, we, we actually ran this pretty well. We're running it pretty well. Um, now we can kind of open up our market beyond the five, 10 mile radius. Um, of Westchester County and Putnam County. Yeah. And when it's all said and done, you and I should do pod number seven. It'll be like the three things that we both took away from the coronavirus pandemic, because I mean, I, I like to consider myself a silver lining guy. Like I typically can find the good in most things. And I'm like sneaky loving the creativity that's coming from like all these quarantines, like whether it's trainers, like figuring out how to better communicate, um, like, I mean, you and I are both like EDM, like house, house music guys, like all these DJs doing like unreal live streams, like every night, 
and like this different creativity that's coming from it. Like I think it, it, there could be some good things that come from it um, for those that have been prepared going into it, but that's for a different podcast for a different time. Um, well, let me re- let me get a little bit more specific with my question, John. This is still the first thing. This is like first thing B. Um, like for you and Team Mojo, because Team Mojo has been, it's, it's established. It's an established business. Like what, what would you say is like one of the biggest things you've done for like what you just said, as far as like maintaining growth or looking for growth in your business, like what's recently in the last six to 12 months, like what are some things that you've done, whether it be personally for you um, or things that you've done that you're hoping will have a trickle down effect into your business? Um, So the big thing we just did um, last year was we built out our basement. So we had a 2,500 square foot basement, um, which was unoccupied, unfinished and, um, pretty much included in our rent. So, you know, we made a substantial investment to build that space out. We developed a new program called the get strong program. And, um, we kind of leveraged that program to try and upsell members to our premium membership, which is purple membership, people who take classes and then do some type of private or small group training. Um, so that was one of the biggest things we did. Um, last year in terms of trying to facilitate growth for um, the business. Um, but I, you know, in we're, we're in year six, the biggest staples of growth I have is when I spend individual time and have individual meetings with key staff members and I'm able to support them in the things that they want to achieve and help them lay out a plan in terms of generating um, more programs and more clients for them. Um, right. So the busier my trainers are, that's just going to kind of flow up into the success of the business. So when I spend more time with the coaches, get a feel for what it is that they want to do, the areas that they're struggling. Um, and I also think they kind of understand that like, you know, I'm supportive and I've got their back and I want to help them um, be successful. Um, The more successful they are, the more successful the business is going to be. So always trying to ensure um, that, you know, they've got a plan. They're focusing on particular things that are going to help facilitate growth for their business and constantly trying to drive the needle forward in, in their professional lives. Nice. And if anyone's listening to this and you're, even if you're like a, like I'm a commercial gym, like department manager, I'm a facility director. Um, or if you're a gym owner, like what John just said is, is hands down the most impactful thing that I've even noticed. I think John and I share the same kind of sentiment with that is when my trainers are busy, they're happy. And when they're busy, we're booming. And that makes obviously me happy. And that makes a gym feel full, which makes people want to go there and be a part of it. And, and a lot of good things happen. And it comes from just having one-on-one conversations, which sounds oversimplified, but brings so much value in, in just getting to know each other and like further developing the business yourself, the trainer, whatever it might be. So if you're not having one-on-one meetings with your staff, like multiple times a month, if not every week, multiple times a week, you really got to check that out because it's huge, huge investment. Definitely. All right. Number two, and this is kind of spawning from our conversations we've had um, over at the old SUNY Plattsburgh there. Shout out Matt Salvatore if you're listening to this podcast. Um, I think we touched on this a little bit, but what tips would you give a trainer who is trying to get hired? 
in like a commercial setting any setting so like if you're maybe you're a commercial trainer and you're looking to go to more of a boutique um like appointment only gym maybe you're just a like you're a student who just graduated exercise science degree maybe has like one internship and even if they're like applying for an internship like what would your like what would your hiring tips be for the person who's applying rather than the gym owner hiring flip Mm -hmm. the table a little bit i mean so I think the the barrier to hire at facilities is very different, right? So um, there's a couple of different ways I could answer that question, right? So the the simplest thing would be, right, if, if you're if you're applying to a, a large corporate gym, right, that has a few dozen to um, even more trainers, um, probably just having like a a cleaned up resume, some good references and a legitimate certification um, will get you an interview and then, you know, interviewing well, right? So understanding the types of questions that you're going to be asked and what are going to be good responses to those questions, um, right? And making sure that not only are you giving good responses, but you're also kind of still being true and organic to yourself so that whoever's interviewing you start to paint a picture of the type of person that you are and whether or not you're going to be a fit for, um, for that business, right. Versus, um, a smaller boutique setting, right. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot more intimate. There's less people involved and you tend to not have much space to kind of hide from certain people or hide from certain things. Right. So, what starts to become important, right? Your level of comfort around these people, likability, personableness, right? So um, if, if you're looking to get hired in more of that boutique setting, um, I think it's got to go beyond like a 30 minute or like a 60 minute interview, right? There needs to be some type of opportunity for one, you to experience the culture of that boutique setting, but also two, for that boutique setting to experience um, play for that culture, um, doing some research, reaching out to some clients, speaking to some of the trainers that are already there, right. And trying to get as much information you can about the facility. Um, one before you apply to the place, right. Cause you're not going to just go to apply to a place that you don't think you're going to enjoy. So learn as much as you can about the place through its, uh, you know, social media, give a call to the owner, try and find, um, some of the coaches or some of the clients and, Um, you know, I think you'll be able to understand like, wow, this place is cool. They're doing some good things. I think this is a place that I'd want to interview at. Um, and then the interview, like, you know, that, that, that's your opportunity to ask more questions, you know, hear from probably one of the most important people in that setting, you know, what that facility is like. And then, you know, before even committing to, to a job, you know, see what type of opportunity there would be for you to shadow something and spend some, some time there before committing to the job. I think, I think too many trainers want to um, just get a job and just train. And I think that's a huge mistake, right? Because part of, you know, longevity in this field is liking what you do, liking where you do it and liking who you do it with. And if you don't do your due diligence, um, you might not get all those boxes checked. And if you don't have all three of those boxes checked, you're not going to last very long. I think the last one you say, like liking who you do it with will impact 
if you like what you do. And I think that's so overlooked because there's so like, I, I mean, I've went through this in my early twenties where I'm like, man, I love what I do. I just can't stand who I do it for. And over time that those, those situations kind of fizzled itself out or fixed itself and, and the barriers kind of fizzled out. But right. like, I'm adamant about that. Like the team that I have at our Parisi speed school, like we're ride or die and we would go to war for each other. And that's why we like what we do. And the work just isn't, it doesn't seem like it's real work because we actually like each other rather like even outside of like, when it's like really shitty and it's like tough, but we like each other and that's just so important. I like, and I think that that's something that you, is good that you brought up because so many trainers, like you're saying, just want to get the job or they think getting a job at some place um, is going to give them like a status or something like that. And it's so the polar opposite. Um, and, and you really need to slow the process down. That's kind of what I took from what you were saying, John, is just to slow the process down versus like just trying to get a job. And yes, there's probably a time and a place for that in your career. But when you're looking to make a step to maybe something a little bit more intimate in the fitness space, slow it down. Right. And like, look, the reality is like to start your personal training career, it, it could be challenging. It could be daunting. Right. And from a financial aspect, it's, you know, you're, you're not going to come out of the gate making, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, if you do great, good for you, but I don't know any trainer who literally their first year, first two years was able to cross that mark. Maybe you're third or your fourth, depending on how well you do it. Right. So if you literally have to grind through building a business and grind through spending time with people um, that piss you off or aggravate you um, or vice versa, right? Like if, if, if there's uh, an immediate, you know, director or supervisor that doesn't necessarily um, like who you are, right. Understand that like all of the effort and work you're putting into building your business could essentially be, um, taken away from you if you're not liked by other people. So, yep. Yep. And that's just good advice. Been, I there, think. been there, done that. That's why <laughs> For those that are listening to this and, and maybe you are a student, um, who's just chilling cause you're not at school right now. Um, or you're graduating. I'll tell you what, and this is something, John, you want to talk about silver lining. Imagine being a graduating senior right now in college and you're home and you're finishing up your classes online and you have the opportunity not only to to really take some time and research the job market talk about diving into the fitness industry and taking some time in a super low i mean it's kind of a weird time but like you have time like you have you're not just like graduating one weekend in may and then you're like okay now what like you actually get to kind of like be in the area and survey what you're going to do like it's a huge opportunity yeah i agree it's definitely an opportunity. You definitely have nothing but time to kind of, you know, figure out what you want to do with uh, your future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to bring up with you, what makes a trainer great at team Moljo? Intangibles. Such um, as? I would start with, you know, personality. Um, Right. I, I think personality is huge and I don't think there's like a particular personality that, that is great. I just think, um, you know, just being likable. And, and to me, what that means is, you know, you're, you're, you're friendly, you're personable, you're understanding. Um, and at the same time, you just kind of like, you know, 
easy to get along with, easy to hang out with, and and that's kind of for starters, right? And and uh, I'm lucky to have an entire team of those people. Uh, so I, I definitely think it starts with person personality. Um, you know, other intangibles that I think make people great are, um, you know, punctuality, right? Like being on time for everything, giving extra time when you have to give extra time, um, you know, and then just caring, caring about other people, caring about your impact and then caring about yourself, um, as well. And I think all of that stuff is going to, you know, lay a nice foundation for, you know, being a great trainer. I mean, obviously there needs to be a a level of ability to provide physical, mental, and spiritual benefits to the people that you work with. Um, but it won't get to that point if you're not liked or you don't like people. It won't get to that point if you're not motivated and don't give effort. And it won't get to that point if you're lazy, not on time and unprofessional, right? So those things have to be priority before you can start to have an impact. And maybe I'm wrong, but I personally would not um, would not feel motivated and inspired to listen to someone that I just didn't like or thought was a dick or didn't respect or, you know, to a certain extent, didn't have any admiration for. Let me ask you one follow-up question to that because, like, I, I agree with everything you just said. What would be – and maybe – because, like, if I'm if – I think of it as, like, if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, okay, well, I, I am all of those things. But in reality, maybe you're not. But you perceive yeah, yourself ask, as that. Ask people what they Yeah, do. so how like, do you – Don't ask your friends who are your age. Ask, like, other people. And, you know, it, generally the first two or three people you think of you want to ask are the last two or three people you should ask. Yeah. That was my follow-up question is like ways for people to just check on themselves, whether it's like a mentor group. Like I love what you just said, like go ask someone to like rate you. Um, You know, like I often will ask like our interns who we don't hire to just like be like, give me my feedback now. Like, how am I, you know, like if I think of I'm this, like we almost like do like the staff reviews and you have to like rate, like like do the school sheet, like their mid midterm review, their final review. I'm like, now do this for me. And that's how I kind of like self-check because this kid's never going to see me again. So they can be brutally honest. Um, but I think that's like the last little bit that I wanted to add there. Just a little tip for people to maybe just kind of check in on themselves and make sure that their interpersonal skills are, are what they actually think they are rather than just their own perception. Yeah, I, I could I could spend an entire hour talking about talking about that for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, we're recurring guests. That'll be like podcast number nine that you'll be on. Um, we'll have to do something special when we hit number ten. I'll go through and I'll count um, how many John Moljos I have, and because I know we did one episode on a ferry. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I think we talked programming on a ferry, um, and that was the title of the podcast. So we're now at the point. In the pod, those were the three things. We now have the degenerate speed round. Um, I I really don't know who started the speed round. If it was with you, I just remember doing the speed round with Sue Falsoni at one point, and it was a huge hit, so it stuck. But I don't know where the speed round started. Um, 
So if you're not into the degenerate inside jokes that I'm sure John and I are about to have, um, thank you for listening. We've already got your click, play, and download. We appreciate your service. But if you want to tag along. <laughs> you're no uh, longer to us. <laughs> yeah, if you want to tag along, maybe you'll have your own answers um, to some of these speed round questions that I'm about to ask John. Um, John, you ready for speed round? Do I have to like answer them fast? Um, no, no, it's not like an actual speed. So I, it's a speed round because it's just kind of like the answers can be as long or short as you want. They don't need, necessarily need explanation. Um, the first one is my favorite. Shout out Mike Baranis, Stoked Athletics in, I believe it's Babylon, um, Long Island. Um, power rank your favorite Halloween candy. Give me like a top three Halloween candy. Top three Halloween candy. It doesn't necessarily need to be in order. That's why we do top three. Uh, let's go Reese's number one, Snickers number two, and Starburst number three. Whoa, Starburst, a non-chocolate? Whoa, controversy. Because wow. I like, well, I, I think now, like, honestly, like the only other chocolate would be like Kit Kats, but like you don't really get Kit Kats on Halloween. That's like gold. You know, yeah. like, you get, like Reese's and you get like Snickers, but like Kit Kats are very rare on Halloween. So I'm trying to think of like other like Halloween candies. You should do like, you should do like least favorite Halloween candy. A flush more. Like, yeah. Literally like so many things pop into my head. <laughs> okay. Give me your three worst. <laughs> uh, fucking candy corn. Who gets candy corn? <laughs> First of all. Candy corn is probably like one of my top three least favorite things in the world. I don't mind it. I don't mind candy corn. Shocker. You're from Vermont. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, Tootsie Rolls. Oh, my God. Yo. Tootsie Rolls are absolutely disgusting. Um, and then the next one, believe it or not, dude, I hate Three Musketeers. Whoa, Three yeah. Musketeers. I, I really like Three Musketeers. And it's crazy because it's like it looks exactly like a Snicker, but they're completely No, completely different. No, Snickers yeah. is elite. Snickers is elite. Yeah. Um, like uh, any hard candy, like you ever get like Nerds or like Mike and Ike or something like that? Uh, like yeah, Mike and Ikes are cool. Nerds, eh. No, nah, this gets stuck in your teeth. Butterfingers, super overrated. Yeah, they're overrated. But like, I don't know, man. Candy corn is literally disgusting. Oh. Yeah, it's it's not it's yeah, it's not what you want on Halloween. Yeah, candy corn and like peeps. Like you ever eat peeps, dude? It's peep season right now, dude. Easter's coming up. It's peep season. Oh peeps are nasty, man. Um is skinny pop undefeated? Skinny pop is undefeated, dude. (laughs) I will be the first person to get fat from skinny pop. I I live for your Snapchats where you're in the grocery store with skinny pop. Um (laughs) here for it. What is your favorite New York City club venue? Jeez. Yeah, right? I asked the hard-hitting questions. It's, it's not a club. And it, it just – it literally depends because, right, if we're going to be speaking about, like, you know, the EDM and the techno and underground techno scene, like, it changes. You know, it's – like, every year there's a new venue. So, like, you know, obviously, like, Brooklyn Mirage has been, like, insane, you know, because it's just, like, an outdoor venue and it's just yeah. different. Um, but you know, Pacha at four or five in the morning, like you can't can't replace those nights. Um, you know, so it's, I would, right now I would have to go with Brooklyn Mirage. Sure. And I like that you gave a little situation four or 5am Pacha. That's nice. That's nice. Easily. 
um, what's your favorite venue in the world? Cause you've traveled a little bit. Like what's like, what's your favorite? It can be like, if you wanted to go like festival, like you could do that too. Favorite venue in the world. Well, fun fact, I was supposed to be in Miami just this past weekend. They have all the virtual sets. You can, it's almost the same. <laughs> um, favorite venue in the world. Um, or maybe a place, one that you want to go to. It's, it's, I wouldn't necessarily give, give a venue as much as I would give like, you know, like the Tomorrowland Music Festival in Belgium was like a once in a lifetime. Like, I mean, maybe twice in a lifetime if I'm lucky. <laughs> but um, it was just, it was remarkable. Like my first music festival was Ultra in Miami and it was insane. And then I went to Tomorrowland the following year and I literally learned like, Tomorrowland is asexual and birthed ultra. (laughs) That's what happened. Um, But yeah, it was just insane. Like, you know, so many stages, so many DJs, just being around, you know, when you're in Miami, you're literally around like a shit ton of people who are from New York, from the tri-state area. So it's no different. Like when, when I was in Tomorrowland, I was, I was the the minority, right? A lot of people, um, you know, from different European countries and, you know, when you saw someone like with an American flag, you were like, holy shit, like I'm from the USA too. And it's like, (laughs) but that was definitely a surreal experience. Um, you know, being in Belgium at the Tomorrowland festival, um, for sure. Yeah. At some point, maybe I'll get there. Probably not. Let's go Um, for your birthday this year. uh, I want to do Vegas, dude. I want to do Vegas. I would recommend Miami over Vegas, dude. Really? Yeah. I'd really like to see a show at the Red Rocks. The hell's that? I believe it's in Colorado. It's like a like a Red Rocks oh, amphitheater. Yeah, 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 People yeah, yeah. say that it's pretty sweet, and I don't necessarily think it needs to be like EDM because no, I don't think they do EDM shows there. They do. They they at times. I just don't think it probably has the same like effect. Um, I would see my guy Griffin though, because that's live and EDM. It's a little bit of both. No, no, Griffin's dude. Don't don't don't. Um, well, while we're on the topic of music, what has been the most rewarding thing about learning how to DJ? Uh, the most rewarding thing about learning how to DJ. It's just fun. You know, it's in, in, in a busy business owner life. It's just good to, um, you know, do something that you have a lot of fun doing. Like, yeah, I have a lot of fun, you know, training and, and being at Team Mojo, but my whole life, I literally have been like so touched and inspired by music. And um, to now be able to DJ in my own gym with like a full-fledged club, club-like uh, DJ setup is, it's fucking awesome, dude. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I've always been been outspoken. Like part of the reason I do this podcast is because I think it's important for professionals to have a creative outlet. Um, like I never once thought I would host a podcast and have like 70 something episodes that like, that's ridiculous. Um, so to have a creative outlet that kind of, and when it can jive with your profession, I think that it makes it that much more special, but, um, to have a, virtual classes. it's yeah, I saw that that was ridiculous. And you're supposed to, I I'm assuming your first gig is probably not going to happen. Yeah. So I doubt that's going to happen in April. I still have three three or two or three classes left that 
will do. And then I'm sure it'll be rescheduled. So maybe it'll be like at the Mirage over the summer. Who knows? Why can't you come and do higher ground in Vermont? I'll do it. How do you book? How do you book this stuff? I do, you tell me, man. How'd you get it? Then how did you get your first one? So for the course that I'm taking, they have an affiliation with this venue. Oh. You like, they like set it up for you at the end. Oh, nice. Um, well, I'll figure out if I can, we can do something at higher ground. That would be dope. If I get you an opener gig, would you do it? hundred percent. That'd be so sick. So That's- sick. It'd be like 12 people cause it's Vermont, but it'd be so dope. <laughs> what if you DJed in Plattsburgh? That's fine. I know you've thought about it. <laughs> I know you've thought about like the green room on a Friday night or like the green room the thing, on a Saturday. Man, I just, I just don't think that that area really knows the music. That I no, spent. you'd show up playing like drum and bass and everyone'd be like, uh, exactly, but I don't care. I'll be having fun. And that's why I'm doing it. So. Migos. <laughs> uh john moljo thank you so much for taking time coming on podcast number five ish ish we'll put an ish on that so that way if it's wrong it's it's fine podcast number five i appreciate you man always dude